1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. As a pastor, the uh, first priority that I have and greatest responsibility that I have as your pastor, you find it in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, God's direct command to me as a pastor, feed the flock. Feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, which means money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over, Lord, lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So really, the Lord tells me and every pastor that we should focus first, not that we don't have other responsibilities, but the greatest responsibility is to feed the flock. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He told him to feed his sheep. And he repeated it on three accounts. We have a responsibility to feed the flock. But that sounds great, but here's the question. How do you know if you are feeding the flock? What does that mean? Because I'll guarantee you what some people say is food. To me, it's junk food. And you can't live very long on junk food. Some years ago, a dear friend of Candy and I, uh, we hadn't seen him in several months and we happened to be at the grocery store one day and uh, he lived alone and he had a grocery cart and when we walked away, I said, Candy, did you notice his grocery cart? And I'm not exaggerating. Everything in there was pies and cakes and candy, junk food, all junk food. Now I'm not being critical of the individual, but when we walked away, I told her, I said, he won't live long. That's telling me his body is craving the wrong thing. So, so he won't make it long. And in about a month he died because he wasn't eating properly. But you have a responsibility to eat properly, but you can't eat if the shepherd doesn't feed you. So how, I ask myself the question, how does God expect me to feed the flock? And I found part of the answer, it's in Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, uh, if you'll turn there, I'll give you a minute to turn there. It actually opens up uh, kind of condemning the shepherds of the flock of Israel because when it opens up in the second verse, God asks a question, should not the shepherds feed the flocks? And he goes ahead to indict them. He said, you're feeding yourself, but you're not feeding the flock. And then he gives us a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Christ embodies all things. He is our example. And with this example that we have of Christ, he tells us when you get to verse 14, if you'll look there with me, 
He says, I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel. So he feeds them from the pasture. He feeds them from the mountains. There shall they lie in a good fold in a safe place. In a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. He gives us another example in one that you don't have to turn to, you know well, but in Psalm 23, where the Lord is the shepherd, he causes the sheep to lie down in green pastures and to help them eat, he prepares a table for them in the presence, as David put it, of mine enemies. So he really gives us a basic outline that we can follow on how you know if, if I as your pastor am feeding you. Now, I can't make you eat, I can make the food available. And here's my job to feed the flock is to follow the example that Jesus gave and that the Lord gave himself and how the Lord Jesus Christ and our heavenly father is the good shepherd and how they, t- how they tend for the flock. First of all, you've got to find the best pastures. You've got to find the best places in the word of God that will meet the greatest needs, all around needs of the flock. So the shepherd has to go before the sheep to find good pastures to eat from. Because if he doesn't know where the pastures are at, how can he lead them to a green pasture when he doesn't know where that's at? And he not only wants to feed them from the best of pastures, but number two, I told you it wasn't going to be long, but number two, he, he, he knows the best places. He not only feeds them from the pasture, but he feeds them from the high mountains. Now that's a strange statement and that's what troubled me. And I know that you've heard the 23rd Psalm preached from. I've preached series of sermons. I think about three different series of sermons in the years that I've been here. I've preached on the 23rd Psalm. And, and I thought, Lord, I know everything that I could possibly preach from the 23rd Psalm. I preached about the flock one time when I dealt with the passage that we are the sheep of his pasture. So I dealt with the sheep, the different types of sheep that a shepherd has to deal with. But yet, I don't know that I've ever specifically dealt with the fact that the shepherd not only knows how to find the lowland, the table land. In other words, he's to feed you when you're low. But he's also, he has to have the ability to reach up high and bring it down low. He knows the high mountains. Now that's a strange statement because the shepherd knows that on that high mountain, there's certain herbs that grow. Uh, there's, There's sometimes berries and fruit that's there that the sheep loves. I mean, it's, it's, It's just a delicacy to the sheep, but the shepherd, he can see those. The sheep, they don't have good vision. They can't, even if they saw it, they couldn't get to it. So what he does, he goes to the places that the sheep can't go. He goes up high and he picks out the best herbs and he'll pick out the best fruit. If he can't reach the fruit, he'll take the staff and pull it down to where he can reach it. And then he has it for the sheep. In other words, he brings down what's up high down to where everyone can reach it. I 
know a lot of preachers that they're wonderful, wonderful teachers, but the problem is they're so high the sheep can't get to it. They're over everybody's head. They can't understand it. Yes, they put together a wonderful sermon, but if you don't have a degree in theology, you leave wondering what were they trying to say? Because we're just normal people living a normal life and we need to hear it on terms that we can understand it. So what he does, he has the ability to go way up high and get the best things from way up high. But it's amazing, he knows how to bring something up high down to where the sheep can get it. And you know what amazed me? Do you know that a shepherd refuses to throw those delicacies? He will never throw them on the ground. He never wants the sheep to eat those special things that come from above. He doesn't want them to eat them on the ground. That tells me you're not to feed with the world. You're not trying to take the word of God and make it fit into the world. I get so sick of hearing this. We've got to be applicable to this culture. I'm not worried about fitting it in this world. I'm worried about reaching way up high and getting something that's sweet from heaven and bringing it down to where we can all eat of it. But he has an unusual way of doing that when he finds those special delicacies he will put them in his pouch. And at the right time, he'll reach in and get a small piece of fruit or get some of those sweet herbs. And he never feeds them face to face. He puts it behind his back. And as he walks, the sheep will come up and eat from his hand. Now that tells me something. Why does he do that? Number one, he puts it behind his back because that's how he leads them. He leads by what he feeds. What he feeds them helps to lead them in the path that they should go in, in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. So he puts it there not only to lead them, but there's something else that it teaches the sheep. If you want something really special from God, the sheep that were afar off, they never got the special dishes. You had to be close enough to the shepherd to know when he put his hand behind his back and had some sweet fruit from up high that he brought down for you. And the closer that you get to the shepherd, the more that you're able to participate in things that only he can feed you. And you'll feel like he did that just for me. Do you ever feel like God gives you something special from his word that you have to say, Lord, I know you put that there just for me. That's why we used to emphasize and write songs and hymns years ago. Near my God to thee. Draw me near, draw me near. Everything was about being closer to the Lord. Your main objective is not to get saved and see how far you can stay away from God and still be in the flock. That's not our goal. That's not our main objective. Our objective is to get as close to the shepherd as we 
possibly can and feel like I'm in a place where he can do something special. Do you know you've gone above and beyond to be here on a Wednesday night and that's why I pray, God, give him something special tonight. So he knows the best pasture. He knows the best places. But then he knows the best way to prepare the table. Now in all my years of preaching, I, I, I'd never heard this. Maybe you had. I'd never heard it. I'm not making it up. <laughs> it's from a man that spent 20 years with shepherds so I, I suppose he probably knows as much about Middle Eastern shepherds when he wrote as anybody that I've ever read after. But he talked about preparing the table. And the first thing that I read, I, it, it's common. I hear it all the time. And, and I've used it from this pulpit to prepare the table. He would take the rod or take the staff, separate the grass. He'd, he'd look for thorns and thistles, poison weeds, if it was poison weeds in it, he wouldn't feed them there. He'd take them to another area that he would prepare. If he could pull the weeds out, if there wasn't very many, he would do that. That's part of preparing the table. And then I also heard that he would drive snakes out. But really, according to the writings I read, there, there's more to it than that. Generally, by nature, most of the snakes in the Middle East will flee as the shepherd comes in, he taps the staff on the ground. He does that for multiple reasons. He taps the staff when it's foggy days out, when it's dark in the morning, because of the fog, when they start out early day, the sheep can feel the vibration through their hoofs. They know which way the shepherd's going. They might not see him, but they can feel which way he's going. I don't always see him, but I feel him passing by every now and then. And he tells me, this is the way you ought to go. I'm about to preach tonight. But really the main thing he does is he's looking for holes. That's what he's looking for. I never heard, had you heard this? I hadn't heard it. He's looking for holes. And I thought, that's a strange statement. And he goes on to explain the number one enemy of the sheep there in the Middle East as far as threatening their life at a table that is prepared, which is a feeding area. That's all that it is. He sets the table. That's what it's called. Thou preparest a table before me. But then comes that phrase, in the presence of mine enemies. And one of the main enemies they have is something called the brown adder. The brown adder lives in holes. And during the daylight hours, it goes down into the holes and stays there. And the brown adder has this ability that when it feels the vibration of like sheep or other animals passing by, then it will come out of the hole and get close enough until when the animal looks into the hole, it strikes the animal on the head. And its venom paralyzes the animal or kills sheep. Do I have your attention now? Well, here's the problem. Every hole doesn't have a snake in it, but it can have. 
So how does he know which hole is safe and which hole is not? Well, what he does is around that hole, he carries this bag of oil with him. Thou anointest my head with oil. He carries this bag of oil with him. And in this bag of oil, he knows that the particular oil that he has in that bag is good for two or three things. Number one, he'll pour it in a circle around the hole because what's in that oil, brown adders hate. Even if they wanted to get out of the hole, they couldn't get out of the hole because their body, they're a very slick bodied snake. And if the oil gets on their body, they fall back down in the hole. So what he does is he pours that oil around the hole and the brown adder now that is the threat, the enemy is trapped in its own house. It can't get out of its own home to bite the, the sheep. And should he not have enough oil around the hole just in case, he anoints the head of the sheep. And since that oil is a repellent, it won't bother the sheep. It'll try to bite at its nose. It won't bother the sheep because it knows its head is covered in oil. Well, that's worth the price of admission right there tonight, isn't it? I'm glad that the devil thought that he had us beat, but the Lord found the dark hole. And around the bottomless pit, he has put a barrier of oil that says to the devil, you can't get to this one. And just in case you think you can get out of your hole, I'm gonna anoint their head with oil, the very thing that you despise. Thank God the Holy Ghost is not only on us and in us, but the Spirit of God is around the enemy. And that same oil keeps those sheep from having a sunstroke. They don't get harmed with sunstrokes in the heat of the day. The oil protects them from that. So now the thorns and the thistles are gone and the snake is locked in its hole and the heat of the day won't destroy the sheep as they go forward. How do you know if you're feeding the sheep? Pour on the oil. Pull out the weeds. <laughs> Get rid of the thorns and make sure you give them a cool place that they can come and lie down and say, I've come into this place to rest in the presence of Almighty God. This ought to be a mighty fortress for us to say God is a place where that we're sheltered and protected. He is the great shepherd, the chief shepherd that watches over his own. It's good to know that if the devil has a place he's hiding out for you this week, the Lord goes before us. surrounds him with the oil. That's why that you have to be careful of falling into a pit or a trap in your mind. That's why he also wants to anoint your head because your mind will tell you one thing that's not true. What makes sense in the world is just the opposite with God. 
Everything he does is contrary to the way the world does things. He does it his way, his time, his power, his ability. He's not limited. So don't worry about the dark holes. He's gone before you. And he's poured the oil around it. And the serpent is locked into his pit. He has the keys to the house. And the devil can only come and go when he lets him. And he's gonna watch over you and he's gonna watch over me and he's gonna give us everything we need until we get home. So I guess my question for you tonight is simple. What do you need from God? Do you feel like you're surrounded by the enemy or do you feel like the Lord has the enemy surrounded? He has what you need tonight. I can put it out, but you have to eat it. You have to take it in or it won't do you any good.